This week on the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast, we are going to talk about the attempted theft of Abraham Lincoln's body. Frontier of hope and possibility. Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes! Welcome to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. My name is Jeremy. With me this evening is Rail Splitter Nick. What up, people out there on electronic devices? And Rail Splitter Mary. Hey, everybody. And we are so lucky this evening uh, or this morning or whenever you're listening to have with us Dr. Kevin Burke. Dr. Burke, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? We are doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, Dr. Burke uh, is uh, has earned a Ph.D. from Florida State University. He works at Queens University in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he has presented at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library Museum on today's topic, which is fascinating. Uh, it is the attempted theft of Abraham Lincoln's body in 1876. So that will be the topic for today's show. Before we get to that, though, we do try to fill our list. So that means he's the smartest guy in this uh, electronic uh, hangout that we're in by far. So <laughs> I, I <Maybe> think not. <laughs> we don't like to rank things. These things are all relative, right? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a it's a nice community, right? Everybody's welcome, regardless. That's right. Regardless of your. Birth. I'm definitely the dumbest rail splitter, <laughs> but I am everybody's favorite rail splitter, so yeah, uh, it so works out all right for me. The citation on Nick's place. claim for that is himself. Um, <laughs> so uh, we do like to open up the top of our shows with a little bit of information about the uh, Civil War or Abraham Lincoln popping up in the news. One story that kind of, in a way, uh, ties into. Our topic for this evening, and some of you may have come across it, uh, there is a load of gold worth in today's market of up to $54 million that went missing in the Civil War and uh, went missing in June of 1863. It is 52 bars of gold, each weighing 50 pounds. Uh, went missing in 1863, and ever since, Civil War buffs have been trying to find it for obvious reasons, and they thought that they may have had a clue this week, so people tried to dig it up, and uh, FBI, the FBI actually tried to dig it up, and then a lot of treasure hunters kind of got their interest peaked, and it turned out that they didn't find it. So good news, everybody. There is still $54 million worth of Civil War gold buried yeah. somewhere out there. Um <laughs> A lot of people think it's in Pennsylvania, so it's a little bit far from us, but who knows? Um, maybe you can strike it rich um, with a bunch of Civil War gold, um, and if so, we'd love to have you on the show to talk about it. <laughs> and, and you can support us in any way that you feel fit after your newly found $54 million. I say we find it. Yeah, let's yeah. Anybody, if anybody wants to tweet at us any clues that they might have, we'll. I'll bring a shovel. I don't mind. I'll do the. I'll do most of the hard labor. That's fine. I have no problem with that. Uh, I'll meet you guys in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, Mary, you're probably the closest. So. Yeah, I, I probably am. So, but anyway. I'll bring a camera. We'll document it. That way, if we yeah. don't find anything, then we can just make a movie out of it, and then hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, get one gold bar worth of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, which is about a million bucks, it sounds like. So, 
Um, so today's show um, is about a totally different kind of, of buried treasure. That's a terrible connection to make, but I, Lincoln's a national treasure. He is currently buried. Um, Dude, uh, that's the worst segue in the history of the show. It's a bear. He's, a, he's a national treasure. It's, just not in the physical sense, I suppose. But um, So Dr. Burke, uh, you have kind of done this presentation. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, before we kind of get into the story itself, kind of about your interest in Lincoln, kind of as a fellow member of the of the Lincoln fan community. What brought you to Lincoln? What's your story around Abraham Lincoln? And uh, what uh, what kind of makes you makes you a rail splitter like us? Well, I, uh, I've always been a lover of Abraham Lincoln ever since I was a child. So I read books, you know, followed his story as much as I could. And then uh, when I moved to the state of Illinois, I was teaching at a couple of different universities there. I uh, started uh, dating who is my current wife, uh, Shelly, and she happens to live in Springfield, Illinois. And so um, once I found that out, I said, i got to marry this girl. <laughs> so so uh, went, obviously we went to Springfield, and the first time I visited her family, I got an opportunity to visit the Lincoln home. And there's all kinds of Lincoln sites. If you've never been to Springfield, Illinois, and I'm going to sound like their Chamber of Commerce here, uh, but there's so many Lincoln sites. They now have, obviously, the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. Besides the home, they have the law offices. They have the train depot where he left to go to, the, uh, go to Washington. They have the pew that he used to sit in uh, when he attended church. And all of these things are really so interesting to see. And obviously, the Lincoln tomb, uh, is, along with the museum, are one of the highlights there. So, obviously, I got very interested in that. As, and as my wife and I's relationship continued to go on, um, I um, would go every time we went home, I would uh, go and visit the Lincoln home and now the museum when it's there. I still volunteer at the museum. It's hard to believe a guy living in North Carolina can volunteer in Springfield, Illinois, but they let me do that. And, uh, you know, I do it because I'm a Lincoln lover, but also gets me out of the in-laws way. So I think that we both appreciate it one way or the other. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, I, I just got a whim uh, several years ago to go up to the um, tomb and ask if I could volunteer. And I was living in the state of Tennessee at the time. And, and, it, was, and it was the day after Christmas. And the guy said, well, yeah, which shocked me. And so uh, what happened was I'd go home to Springfield would visit in-laws once or twice a year. And uh, um, I would get to volunteer and uh, stand back uh, actually at the headstone most of the time. And uh, when I found out about this story, I really started reading about it, and uh, so this was the number one so interesting. When I first started at the tomb, they wouldn't let us tell the story. They also wouldn't let us talk about Ann Rutledge. They said those topics are off topic, but now they've changed their mind about that, and uh, before I left there, that's really the one story everybody wants to hear about, the attempted theft. So I started giving that story there, and so once the museum opened up, um, I called there uh, from the very beginning and trying to get into the museum, and they're like, you don't even live in the same state. How are we going to let you do this? So uh, finally, uh, after be bugging them enough, they called over to the tomb and said, who's this Kevin Burke guy who keeps wanting to volunteer at the museum? And they said, oh, you got to let him. He said, he'll only be in town a couple times a year. So, but he's really a Lincoln lover. And next thing you know, I'm volunteering at the museum. So I no longer volunteer at the tomb. I did it for about nine years. But now when I go home, I do at least one day uh, at the museum. And I thoroughly enjoy it. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, I'm... Uh share a little bit of that story. I, I too have in-laws uh, from Springfield. My wife's, uh, my mother-in-law grew up in Springfield. So um, yeah, I, I very much share your enthusiasm. Uh, and I too sometimes sound like the Chamber of Commerce. Um, not, not to humble brag or anything, but I will be there 
uh, on Saturday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, right. Monday. So very excited for that. It's a little spring break. Uh, we kind of we go down about about three four times a year uh, as well. Wow. So great. Yep, yep. So um, I know it well. I'm a big fan of Springfield. Big defender of it to people who want to disparage it. Um, so and, and <laughs> you know proud Illinois as well. I'm, we're about th- I'm about three hours north, just south of the Wisconsin border. So it's a little oh, bit of a hike okay. for me as well. Um, so, so why don't we just go ahead and start with the story? What, uh, you know, uh, this is definitely, um, it's kind of fun to start with, uh, or to have a topic that takes place in 1876. It's probably our latest, uh, topic anyway. So, um, what, what happened? Well, you know, your segue, uh, which your partner said was probably the worst segue you've ever done. is actually going to make a lot of sense. (laughs) 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 Uh, Because it's. It's amazing that the story is actually tied to counterfeiting. And uh, the whole reason uh, that uh, the, the body theft, or at least for this particular body theft, came about or attempted body theft came about was because uh, um, what happened to a, count, a major counterfeiter. And just to go into it, um, back before we had our national currency, private banks used to uh, issue currencies. And believe it or not, at one point in the United States, there were more than 10,000 types of currency in the United States. There were $1, $2, $3, even $13 bills, if you can imagine that. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, that presented quite a bit of problem. You know, you go from one state to another, even in the same state, if you had a different bank, the bank printed a different type of currency. So in one way, that was good for fitters in that they could make something up and someone could claim it's from another bank. But in another sense, they had to make various different types of uh um, you know, currency to make that happen. So uh, in 1863, Abraham Lincoln created the first national currency. And what's sort of ironic, he also created the Secret Service, but the Secret Service role at that time was to protect the currency. So they were really there for a uh, uh, deal with the counterfeiters. So again, uh, it was it's really ironic. They weren't there to protect the president. And all of us know that Lincoln really didn't like any kind of protection anyway. But uh, just to get started into the story even more, there's uh, several people involved in the story. I'm going to hit with the main characters here. Uh, one of the most talented engravers, uh, counterfeiters at the time, was a gentleman by the name of Ben Boyd. And he, he was simply the best. And uh, there was a bar owner up near Chicago, and his nickname was Big Jim Canale. And uh, he was also into counterfeiting, and he ran the counterfeiting hub. There was a hub up there. And um, it was a bar, and back then the bars had no seats, but ironically they had a white bus of Abraham Lincoln in the bar. And um, Jim Canale was sort of smart in that he, uh, uh, he heard, uh, he had this idea to come up to try to get this uh, plot going. And the, what we believe happened was there were other people who were trying to think about stealing Lincoln's body for other reasons. And we believe he heard of a, a plot in 1867 still of Lincoln's body. And so that gave him the idea. So we don't, don't think that he actually originated the idea, but he may have. So anyway, Big Jim running this bar near Chicago. Uh, he had a couple of people worked with him, a gentleman by the name of Terrence Mullen, who was also a counterfeiter. And he was in, worked in the day-to-day operations of the bar. And then one of Mullen's friends was a gentleman by the name of Jack Hughes. So they were really the major ones in, in on this particular plot. Uh, other p- players in this are going to be John Carroll Power, who was the very first Lincoln Tomb custodian from 1874 to 1894. And uh, he really uh, lived, uh, really worshipped the ground Abraham Lincoln walked and then died on and really took care of him. 
And then uh, there's a major Secret Service air, uh, agent by the name of Patrick D. Terrell, uh, who's going to be a major player in this story. So keeping all of that in mind, the big counterfeiting and what's going on in February of 1876, Ben Boyd, the special uh, engraver, and the best engraver at the time was arrested by Terrell and put in jail for 10 years. Now, what this meant for the counterfeiting ring that Big Jim Canale ran was, we're done. There was really nobody that could do the counterfeiting as well as uh, Ben Boyd. So, uh, you know, basically he was like, what are we going to do? So their primary goal at that time was to somehow find a way to get Ben Boyd out of prison sooner than 10 years. So, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Big Jim Canale on the Hub. Uh, Hub was actually the name of the bar in Chicago. And, uh, and again, it was, uh, it was a tough situation for his counterfeiting ring. So they decide that uh, Canale decides he's going to get Mullen and Hughes, the guys working in the bars with him, to uh, uh, try to steal Abraham Lincoln's body. And, again, we believe Big Jim got this idea from others. And so um, other, while they were talk in the bar talking about this, there's another gentleman in the bar who's a regular. His name is Louis Swagels, and he overhears the plot to steal Abraham Lincoln's body. So he goes and talks to the uh, uh, Mullins and Hughes and says, hey, look, I'm looking for some easy money. And said, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I'm the boss body snatcher of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and it was totally made up. Okay, Of course, I mean, what's a boss body snatcher? I'm not sure what that is. Um, so they decided, okay, well, they, he got under trust, and so they let him in, and then uh, they convinced, was also convinced, we need another person uh, by the name of Billy Brown. Now, if you read about him, you'll hear his name is William Neely also, but he typically mostly went by Billy Brown. So, Do we know what time this is going on in the bar? Because I'm visiting, like, it's 3 in the morning, and they're all just sauce. <laughs> we got Billy Boss, body snatcher over here. <laughs> We got this guy. We're going to do this. Let's get Lincoln's body. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's late at night, but I don't have any details <laughs> on that. But uh, I would just like to have been a, a fly on the wall. Absolutely. Yeah. Swagels wasn't heard all this stuff. I'm like, wow, are these people idiots or what? But anyway, here's what, here's what they're thinking about doing. So they say they're going to take a train ride from Chicago to Springfield on November 6th. So um, back then it was a nine-hour trip. So it wasn't just a short little ride down there. And what their plan was to do was go out to the Lincoln tomb, and they knew John Carroll Power would be out there. And what Power did besides uh, take care of the tomb, when people came out, he would talk about Lincoln's legacy, show them a little bit about the tomb. And uh, I don't know if our listeners, how, if they've had an opportunity to be at the Lincoln tomb, but it's a, it's a fantastic monument out in Oak Ridge Cemetery in Springfield. And uh, what happens now is you walk in the front door and you walk around a semicircle and get to the back and then Abraham Lincoln's tombstone's in front of you and then his wife and three of the four sons are buried uh, behind there. And by the way, just a little side note, uh, twice I've been able to go inside and climb up into the uh, tower and uh, I actually got to a point where I could look down and I could see the, uh, the cement area where uh, Lincoln, Mrs. Lincoln and the sons are buried. You can get back in there. Um, so, but they don't really like you to do that. So, and, uh, but so you're anyway. not suggesting we like next like this weekend. I'm just like, oh, it's, it's okay. I know Dr. Burke. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna climb up in here. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure they know I've been back there. But I went with, I went with the guy who worked full time, who's now retired. So I think it's okay to tell the story. But uh, we, we went back there twice, and uh, it's, it's dangerous. I'll tell you that. There's a ladder all the way up to the top of the tower. 
and there's a rope on the ladder, but the rope looks as old as uh, probably Abraham Lincoln's body is, so I didn't even want to try that. But uh, again, uh, it was really neat to go back there. But anyway, once you enter the front of the tomb, uh, you go around the back, and again, there's the headstone. But back then, at that time, that's not how you saw Lincoln's body. Well, what happened was you would go around the back of the tomb, and there was a, a window there with bars, and you could look in, and there would be a, just this semicircular area, and the sarcophagus was above ground. And I don't know if you've ever been to George Washington's uh, gravesite, but that's how he's buried right now. He's above ground. He's a little bit better protected than Lincoln was, but not, bet, not much better. So basically, um, you know, anybody could just walk by and pay their respects. So here's, what the, here's the great idea that the criminals had in mind. They were going to steal Lincoln's body. They were going to take it to Lake Michigan, which was 220 miles away. It was a 10-day trip uh, at that time. And they were going to bury it in the sand. And their thinking was that if they buried it in the sand, that the wind and the sand would cut all their tracks and nobody would be able to find where they buried Lincoln's body. Now, not sure that was very bright because, you know, carrying a horse-drawn carriage, so to speak, with a casket in the back, uh, somebody might notice and feel that's a little bit strange. Uh, but that's what they wanted to do. And once they got Lincoln's body out of there, they were going to ask for $200,000 ransom and the release of Ben Boyd for prison. So now you can see how the counterfeiting starts to get in. And so what happened was Big Jim Canale was going to get in touch with Ben Boyd and Ben Boyd, who was in prison at the time, was going to call the governor of Illinois. I'm not sure how he'd get the connections to do that, but probably saying I know where Lincoln's body is would help him. And he was going to make the call himself to the governor and say, if you let me out, $200,000, we'll get the body back to you unharmed. So that was pretty ingenious of the plot. They kept everybody else out of it as far as they knew. Now, here's the other thing that's sort of interesting about that time. Back then, body snatching was not considered a serious crime. At most, it was a misdemeanor because what would happen is people would go by the cemeteries and they would dig up bodies and they would take those bodies and sell them to the medical school. So as the police would go by there, they would see this happening and they would simply just let it go because they figured, you know, what's it hurting? You know, somebody, it's a dead body. They can use it for medical research. It's, it's everybody's benefiting. So they really didn't do much about that. So, again, that was their plot. So we get to November 7th, 1876, and this was uh, the most highly contested presidential election of all time. Uh, Rutherford B. Hayes, the Republican, versus Samuel Tilden, the Democrat, for president. Now imagine if this happened today, guys and gal. 82% voter turnout. 82% voter turnout is the highest ever. And we thought hanging chads and all that kind of stuff was bad back at Bush Gore. The vote counting took four months, four months. And so the grave robbery was actually reported during this time, but it was like on a back page in a small column and nobody, you know, thought anything about it. And I should say that rumors had spread about uh, Link the attempted theft of Lincoln's body about to happen. And back then everybody said nobody would really do that. That was just horrible. And they just didn't think anybody would take the trouble or be, be that low down to do something like that. So anyway, happens is on November 7th, we got uh, Hughes, Mullins, and Swagels. They go to the back of the tomb at night, and they see, uh, and they're, you know, going to make their attempt. 
and they see that it's locked uh, simply with the bars in the window, and there's a heavy padlock on it. So is the and, is the back of the tomb is it is it's obviously situated the same way it is now? Is that well now they have a glass glass window there. You right, can't but I mean like it. like physically because like right now like like if you're standing looking at the obelisk in the front of the tomb, you right. can't see that like it's down a hill quite a ways right to that door in the back. So like just like it's like as I'm picturing this in my mind. The one, yeah, the one directly behind. Yes. Directly behind in the center, in the back of the tomb. It's all on the same level, but it's in the back. Right. Okay. And so, so that's that's where they went. And again, there was no glass. Uh, there was no glass. There it was just the railings, and there was just a heavy chain with a padlock there. So they really didn't have the tools to cut through it. They had a lantern. They had something that looked like pliers, and and they had a, a large file. So they start working on the file. One of the files cracks. And long story short, they started another one, and it took them thirty minutes just to get through the lock. Um, and so they get into the room, and Lincoln's sarcophagus is sitting right there in front of them. So uh, again, they're 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 there, and they're ready to do what they want to do. So they were trying to get the lid of the sarcophagus off, and uh, they were was able to get it off pretty easily because it was only on there by plaster of Paris, if you can believe that. But when they got the lid off, they noticed. They were trying to reach in and get the uh, the coffin. It, it weighed. It was extremely heavy, and there was no leverage. It barely fit into the sarcophagus. So one of the gentlemen there raised an axe that they took with them. And why they didn't use the axe on the lock, I'm not sure. But they raised the axe, and he was going to bust up the sarcophagus to get them out. And then um, one of them said, "No, no, no! Don't do that because we can take the coffin out." And gone, and they may not discover that he's gone for a long time, which was really sort of smart to do. By the way, that coffin that Lincoln was in weighed 500 pounds, and it was lead lined. So I'm not sure, you know, two or, or three guys could have done it. So Mullen um, uh, assigned Swagels, uh, the the boss body snatcher, to be a lookout, and uh, and what he was going to do is uh, watch and make sure nobody came up on him while they did this. And then when they got uh, when they got ready to get the body and the casket out, he was going to go get Billy Brown, supposedly waiting outside uh, somewhere with a horse-drawn carriage. And he would go get him, bring him back, and that's how they would go get uh, uh, Lincoln's coffin and uh, take it to Lake Michigan. But while they were working uh, on the ca uh, on trying the sarcophagus, uh, Mullins changed his mind. He told Swiggles he needed him to hold the lantern so he can see why they're working. And you're going to see why I'm bringing this up in just a moment. But again, so instead of being a lookout, he's in there actually with them while the two gentlemen are working on that. So um, after a while, Mullen and Hughes partially got the coffin out of the sarcophagus. About 15 to 18 inches, they got it out. At that point, uh, Swagels was sent to go get Billy Brown in the wagon. Mullins and Hughes left the burial chamber just to take a break because what they'd done really taken a lot of hard work. You know, they spent 30 minutes just getting the chain off the uh, bars. Now they're inside and you're having a tight cough and getting out of sarcophagus is pretty tough. So they were about a, taking a smoke break or something like that, but just giving themselves a little bit of a break. Now, here's where the story gets really interesting. There was another secret plot going on at the same time. Swagels, who claimed to be the boss body snatcher of Chicago, was actually a paid informant for the Secret Service. So, so when he heard of this plot, what he was doing when they were in the bar in Chicago planning all this at whatever time of day or night or morning they were doing this, he would leave and go tell the Secret Service or the police, these people are getting ready to try to steal Abraham Lincoln's body. 
And so from the very moment <laughs> that the plot was being done, the police knew about it. And, you know, and this happened three weeks earlier before they even went down to, to, to Springfield to try to steal the plot. So, and, now, this, and that's just what happened was, was that just purely by luck? Like they just happened to have an informant for counterfeiting purposes yep. and, they, and he just happened yep. to come across this body snatching plot? Yeah, I mean, you know, Swaggles had been in some a uh, little bit of trouble, and so you know, he was his plot was a way to sort of help him. So uh, once Swaggles uh, learned about the plot, he went to uh, Terrell, and Terrell, you know, once he realized that he was being serious, actually contacted Robert Todd Lincoln, who was thirty-three years old at the time. So, so think about this. You're Robert Todd Lincoln. Uh, your your father was has been president of the United States. Was assassinated. Gone through all this, and now after he's he's dead and written, finally buried, somebody's going to try to take his body. So, knowing what you know now, uh, we go back to November six because this changes our whole story a little bit. So, on the evening of November six, when they start from Chicago to ride down the the train all the way down to Chicago. You had Hull, uh, Hughes, Mullen, Swiggles, and Brown get on the Chicago overnight train. Now, of course, the train makes several stops going all the way down. What they didn't know, Hughes, Mullen didn't know, Brown was also in on it. Brown was also a, a and so half of the four guys <laughs> that were carrying out this body theft were helping the police. And so uh, Hughes, Mullen just didn't know. But Brown didn't want to go all the way down to Springfield, so he got off at one of the early stops and went back home. <laughs> so as they're taking this nine-hour trip, Hughes and Mullen would ask Swaggles, well, where's Brown? Where's Brown? He said, oh, he's back there taking a nap, or he's gone to get something to eat. He kept making up excuses. Then when he got to Springfield, he just said, oh, he got off earlier because he had to go get the horse-drawn carriage, and he said he'll just meet us out at the cemetery. So he kept making up excuses for him. Now, what's funny is when Hughes, Mullen, Swaggles, and Brown got on that train, Terrell, other detectives, everybody got on the exact same train. So, so they actually were at this train depot in Chicago. When the criminals got on, the detectives were at the other end, watched them, and they got on the same train and rode, rode down there with them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, again, it, it was funny that it happened, in, uh, you know, at, in that way. So let's bring back to November 7th. So now we're in Election Day. And remember, uh, this was a big election, hotly contested uh, the, that morning. Swaggles and Hughes, they go to meet John Carroll Power and get a tour of the Lincoln Tomb. Now, John Carroll Power has been informed what's going to happen. So imagine you're the guy who loves Abraham Lincoln, protecting his body after his death, and you know you're talking to two criminals who are going to try to steal his body that night. So he had to play it cool. He gave them a tour of the tomb, answered all their questions, and and so, uh, you know, basically played it cool and let them know. So they left there thinking this is going to be an easy job. There's only a a chain and a padlock there. So what happened was, uh, as the election was occurring that day, and everybody, again, we don't have all the communication. They didn't have all the communication we have now. So everybody was paying attention, uh, uh, trying to find out what was going on with the election. So uh, uh, John Carroll uh, Power, the agents, Terrell, and actually there was a newspaper reporter there. There were about six or seven people went down, and they got in what, if you go into the front of the Abraham Lincoln tomb now, which is now the, the open area, and you see the statue that you would see if you went to Washington, D.C. Um, that They were waiting in that area. Now, the, the sides around the walk around the back weren't there at that time. 
But uh, what they were concerned about is that if they were in there when the criminals came, that the criminals might hear them. So they all took their shoes or boots off, and they just sat in the front of the Abraham Lincoln tomb waiting for them to come. And so they had to wait a couple hours. There were still there were marble floors in there. And I, they, they believe they believe they waited about three hours. So, so were the, they, they the were like, wait, bodies, were they expecting him to come out with the body? Like, is this? <laughs> well, they they had a plan. <laughs> you know, so they're hoping this would go this way. So. What happened? Imagine that, though. You're sitting there inside of the tomb waiting for somebody to steal probably the most famous president ever's body out of the tomb, and it's up to you to stop it from happening. So the body snatchers arrived between about 9 and 10 o'clock, and the agents have been there again for two or three hours. And so they're sitting there, and they hear them filing away at the, uh, the lock in the back. Now, part of the reason they wanted to let them get in and at least get inside and make an attempt is they wanted to catch them in the act so they could really uh, prosecute them. That was really what they were trying to do. Um, so that, and you know, again, it's sort of amazing that Robert Todd Lincoln allowed them to do it. But he figured, you know, if, if some, if they're doing it, somebody else may try it later. So we might as well show that we've got it. And, and back then, nobody stayed at Lincoln's and protected Lincoln's body at night. And by the way, they still don't. Uh, it's it's locked up tight. And of course, we know how he's buried now, ten feet below with cement poured on him. You're not going to get to him no matter what you try to do. But uh, back then, again, you know, it was just very, uh, just very pr unprotected. So um, anyway, uh, after getting going back to what I said earlier, the once they got the uh, sarco uh, the coffin out of the sarcophagus about fifteen to eighteen inches, they sent Swagels to go get Billy Brown. Now remember, Billy Brown's not there. So Swagels had a, a sign that when he was going to when, he, when the time was right, he was going to go around the front of the tomb and he was going to say "Wash," which was a, a nickname for a. Uh, one of the persons that were waiting for the uh, the body to be snatched. And the, when he said wash, that meant it's time to come get the criminals. So you can see when I said earlier when Swagels was holding the lantern and having to stay back there while they worked on the sarcophagus, he got a little nervous and uh, because, you know, he was supposed to go give the signal and he was worried if he was going to be able to do that. So he goes around the front of him and gives the signal wash. And after he does that, uh, Terrell and the men race around both sides of the tomb. And one of the uh, one of the agents uh, by the name of George Hay, before they started running around the tomb. Now, remember, you know, they didn't bother to put their shoes and their shoes or boots back on because they were too anxious to go out and get these guys. So George Hay cocks his revolver. And so while they're running from the front to the back of the tomb, his revolver goes off. So imagine you're at the, the tomb. It's 10 o'clock at night. You think you're by yourself with a couple of guys. You know, I'm thinking of the criminals here. And you hear this loud gunshot go off, which probably sounds like a cannon. And so it, the, the criminals that were in the back were already outside taking a little bit of smoke break or something. So they took off. And they just assumed that Swagels was caught. And, of course, Swagels was working with the Secret Service, so he wasn't going to get caught. But the, the funny part, it might not have been funny that night, but the agents are looking for the criminals. And so they go into the, uh, the area where Lincoln's buried, and they, they don't see anybody. So they rush, and if you've been to the tomb, they don't let you go up there now, but there's a second floor. So they go up on top of the tomb, and Terrell looks over and sees a body leaning over again on one of the sides of the, across the top of the tomb, and so he shoots at him. That person shoots back, and they fire a couple of shots, and then someone yells, hey, Terrell, is that you? And when it turns <laughs> out, the police were shooting at each other. <laughs> and so they were trying to surround the criminals upstairs, and all they had surrounded were themselves. So 
<laughs> while all this is going on, obviously the criminals got away. They got to a train station and uh, basically got all the way back to Chicago. So they really got away that night. Um, and again, Mullins and Hughes just assumed Swaggles and Brown got caught. They left the cemetery. So the, um, they go in to, to see what's happening. Again, what they see is the lid of the sarcophagus is off, pulled out a little bit, mm -hmm. and the end of the sarcophagus um, was was just laying in the floor. And by the way, uh, the, the part uh, when I worked at the tomb, they actually had pieces of that sarcophagus, and I mean just pieces laying around. And if you go to the uh, if you go to the uh, tomb now and you walk into this opening area. There's a little glass case. Mm -hmm. You'll see a little piece of the original sarcophagus that they have. And it's probably no bigger than four or five inches uh, in diameter, but that's about all they have left. So, um, again, Mullen and Hughes, now, again, shows you how, how brilliant they were. After this attempt, guess where they go? They go right back to the hub in Chicago because they don't think anybody's owned to who they are and what they're doing. Okay? Now, before I say how they got caught, Here's the, probably the most brilliant thing that the guys thought about doing. When they decided this, the reason they selected November 7th is when the election was going on. They knew nobody would be paying attention, and that was pretty smart. That was the only thing they did that was probably smart is then realizing if they go and try to have a body theft while there's a big election going on and everybody's trying to listen to who's going to become the next president of the United States, and then it turns out the highest voter turnout, everybody's busy. So that was really the smart thing they did. But anyway, they go back to the uh, hub in Chicago, and then on November 17th, 10 days later, while they're in the hub, um, Terrell and others go in and arrest them. So they're finally caught. Um, then, you know, the story starts to make uh, uh, a little bit of headlines. Um, some of the criminals tried to claim that Terrell set them up, um, and, even, <laughs> and, one, and one of the criminals even wrote a letter while in prison to t tell another friend of his to lie and say he was there. And, of course, the prison people are going to read his letter. So, they, you know, they pretty much caught him uh, mm -hmm. lying about what was going on. So, again, uh, the trial took place in Springfield in, uh, uh, in the spring of 1877. And, mm -hmm. and another shocking aspect of this is Mullins and Hughes only got a one-year prison sentence in the Illinois State Penitentiary in uh, Joliet. And they were charged with conspiracy to commit crime plus theft and damage to property. So once this happened, um, you know, people were outraged that you almost had Abraham Lincoln body stolen. And these guys got a year prison sentence. And um, so later the laws for grave robbing were um, strengthened so that now you can get up to 10 years depending upon the circumstances. So that was the attempt. Now, there was a little bit of aftermath. And you've probably heard about this, but uh, John Carroll Powell was concerned about Lincoln's body after this theft. Because remember, this happened, and the very next day, people are going to come out to the tomb, just like they do now, to see Lincoln's body. And so if they go out there right then, they're going to see a partially opened, uh, uh, partial coffin sitting out of, the, of a broken sarcophagus. So basically, he gets a hold of the, some of his friends. They put the sarcophagus back together, but... He wasn't going to leave Abraham Lincoln's coffin in the sarcophagus where, you know, considering the situation they're in. So uh, Power called some of his friends. They removed the coffin from the sarcophagus and they move it inside in an in a in a inside area of the tomb. And at first, all they did was they put, now imagine this, Abraham Lincoln's body inside the tomb. And all they did was they covered it with boards and bricks and wood pieces just to hide it. <laughs> 
And so, so the greatest <laughs> president, body's being moved around, and he's covered basically by trash. And then later on, uh, when they they had to, you know, they had to rebuild the tomb at some point, and uh, they were trying to build Lincoln's new uh, rest area. Uh, they decided that uh, you know we can't just leave him like that. So they go to bury Lincoln inside the tomb, and there's a high water table in Illinois, and so a lot of the places they tried to dig water would come up so they finally found a place to bury lincoln well robert todd said i know mother would want to be right beside him so they take her and bury her also within the tomb so while the workers were there trying to rebuild the tomb they're walking over the top of abraham lincoln and mary lincoln's body and don't know it because only a handful of people knew that they were buried there and they were that way for two solid years two years wow and, and John Carroll was a very honest man. So people would go to the tomb, and and they, of course, of course had heard about the uh, you know the, the attempted theft. And just like you hear rumors that you saw Elvis and Burger King and Michael Jackson and JFK are on some island somewhere. You know, people heard these rumors about Lincoln and said uh, his body's not really in there, is it? And John Carroll Powell would always say his body is here, but he was careful. He never said that he was in the sarcophagus. He'd just say. Lincoln's body is safe and it is here. So again, they only wanted a handful of people to know because they were really scared of what would happen. And depending upon um, whose story uh, that you believe, and I've read different accounts about this, but some people believe Lincoln's body got moved about 14 different times out uh, in Oak Ridge Cemetery. And if you go to the tomb and you can see around the tomb in the grassy area, they've got some places marked where Lincoln was. You can say the area where they first brought Lincoln uh, right after the funeral, before they built the tomb, and uh, but again, think about that. He he didn't have much rest even after he died. So again, it was a it's really an amazing story of a uh, of uh, some bumbling criminals that uh, uh, who thought they were um, going to be able to get their friend out of jail to do their counterfeiting ring, and ended up uh, half of their gang was working for the police or the Secret Service with them. <laughs> so uh, again, it didn't it didn't work out so well for them. So. Uh, um, it's, it's just and what, what surprised me about this story, guys and gals, is that I'm a, more people know about it now, but I'm surprised most of the time when I give this talk, people haven't heard this story. And it, it, it's really amazing. So I love educating them about what happens with the story. So, again, it's just a to me, it's an enthralling and, uh, and it's, it's got it's got it's got everything you want. It's got drama. It's got humor. And uh, it's, it's it's sad in one sense, too. So uh, one question I have, and thank you so much. That was a brilliant storytelling and uh, t taking us through. Um, and I, you do a great job spinning that yarn, so I can kind of picture it in my mind's eye what, what happened. So thank you. It, it sounds like the the police got, I mean, they were bumbling criminals, surely, but it sounds like the police were awfully lucky that they just happened to have an informant who happened upon this plot because it sounds uh -huh. like it was pretty, it could have potentially been pretty easy had they not had an informant on the on the team, do you think they would have succeeded at least in getting his body out of the tomb? Uh, I, I think you know if they if they had enough um, in this case manpower to lift the coffin, the five hundred pound coffin, they probably could have gotten away with. It. Now they, mm -hmm. I don't know what they would have done. Uh, you know, it, you know they would really had to get people that they counted on because you know Billy Brown wasn't there. There was no horse drawn carriage there. But if they really had a good accomplices, they probably could have gotten away with. It. By the way, let me show you, tell you another how another part of the story. It shows how lucky the police are. Remember I said Big Jim Canale got the idea from somebody else? Well, another group of people were there to try to steal Lincoln's body. Now, this is hilarious. Uh, 
So one of the one of the guys who was there still still the body the, on the first attempt, and they never went through with it, and you'll see why in a second, uh, got really drunk. And so he got really drunk, and he hired a prostitute. <laughs> so while he's drunk with the prostitute, he tells the prostitute what he's going to do tomorrow. Well, guess what? The prostitute was friends with the police chief. <laughs> <laughs> of, course, of course she is. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, of course, you know, it's Illinois. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, the police chief gets wind of it, and the guy who got drunk, he woke up the next morning with a headache, and he went, oh, my gosh, I spilled our guts about the plan, so they called it off. And so, they, you know, that's where we believe Big Jim Canale heard about the first story of what happened. But again, in that case, out of lucky coincidence, the police were informed of what was going on. Um, so, again, it was uh, they got lucky twice as far as I'm concerned. I like that it was at the bar, and then the guy just happened to be there. He's like, oh, man, what's the best name I could come up with for myself? <laughs> and it's like this, what was the name he came up with again the for himself? The Boss Body Snatcher of Chicago. <laughs> I mean, I think that would look good on a T-shirt. <laughs> that would look great on a T-shirt, I think. No good plans ever started at the bar outside of the idea to start the rail splitter, which is where I think boy uh, Jeremy approached me for this. So that is true. That is true. Um <laughs> And then I woke up with a hangover regretting everything <laughs> next to it. So. Whatever. Um, so one other uh, little um, angle of the story I wanted to ask you about, and, and I don't know how familiar you are with it um, to speak to it or not, but um, as I understand it, a lot of rumors kind of started spreading over whether or not his body ever was stolen or whether it even existed in the tomb. So right. um, around the turn of the century when they were truly redoing it and um, – securing the body they opened up lincoln's coffin or people right. his coffin was opened um right. what 40 35 years after he was uh after he died um right. so what yeah i don't know if you can speak to that or can i give us a little bit of information about that that little episode yeah it's uh it's an interesting story um they uh and again i, I won't have all the names but uh what, uh the last person to see lincoln's body was a young kid and I believe it was his grandfather or uncle was, uh, they were going to move Lincoln's body to where he is now. And again, he's buried uh, in the tomb. They, they put him in a steel cage, poured 10 feet of cement on top of him. When I worked at the tomb, you know, people wanted to know which side Lincoln's head was on and what, what, what his body looked like the last time they put him in there. And so, you know, we can tell him that as you're facing the headstone, his head is on the left. It's about 30 inches behind the headstone. People really want that much detail. But anyway, um, this guy calls his, I believe it was his grandson, calls him out to uh, ride his bicycle out there. And what they did was, and by the way, Robert Todd Lincoln never wanted them to keep opening up the coffin. He actually told them, don't open up the coffin, just move him back. But when they put Lincoln in there, I mean, there was no ceremony. It was just, you know, a handful of people. They had a, uh, I believe they had a, actually a plumber there who was doing the sealing of the casket. And so uh, it was just uh, you know, the, about, the only thing they did that was special was while they were in there about to take the last look and then seal the coffins, they took their hats off. But the young boy uh, uh, was looking at Lincoln's face, and they all said that Lincoln looked exactly the same, uh, except, I mean, as far as his features, but his face looked like almost like the bronze statues that you see of him now, and that's how he looked. Uh, there was a little, some red and blue threads on his uh, lapel, and they believed that was from an American flag, and there were strands of where his gloves had been on his hands. Uh, but uh, this young kid actually saw Lincoln, and there, there's a, 
I have in my room here, I have a Times article uh, where uh, when it said what happened to Lincoln's body and uh, this kid is interviewed about that day and what happened. So he's, he's been known as the, uh, the last person to see Lincoln's body. Yeah, it looks like I'm, I just kind of pulled up an article about that article in time. Mm -hmm. uh, his name was uh, Fleetwood Lindley. Yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah. Which is that's a great turn of the century name, <laughs> just yeah. for anybody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he died in 1963. Um, but there's kind of this famous like right before he died, he was still kind of known as that and was interviewed. Um, and right. he had described his face as chalky white and his clothes being mildewed. Um, and then he talked about kind of the, the fabric from the flag and, and all that. But there were 23 people, it looks like, that had seen that saw his body right before they put it back. And they unanimously, yeah. everyone there declared, like, yes, this is Abraham Lincoln. So they now, um, you like know, they look, the rumors to rest. Yeah, I mean, you know, even if, um, I mean, I understand if Robert Todd said not to do it, you sort of want to respect the wishes. But, you know, you're there with Abraham Lincoln's body. Those rumors that you spoke of are flying around. I'm going to want to see that he's there so that I can say I, I saw him. And, you, know, you know, I'm just going to want to say that I saw his body, you know. Oh, sure. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, but, uh, you know, that's why Robert Todd, uh, uh, I believe one of his uh, previous supervisors in one of his jobs uh, uh, had been buried uh, in that manner. And that's how he got the idea to bury his father that way so he would never be bothered again. So, uh, again, it's a really interesting story. It's sort of amazing if you think about it that uh, they didn't have any kind of special ceremony. You know, it's just basically a bunch of guys taking care of it. And, uh, you know, maybe that's the way Lincoln would have wanted it, but it just doesn't seem appropriate for the uh, former and probably the greatest president of all time. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, so when you were uh, working at the tomb, um, did they, or do you know, or did they give you um, – I'm guessing the question was asked often, uh, what Robert Lincoln's rationale for not being buried in Oak Ridge was, like why why he chose Arlington or why his family chose Arlington over um, Oak Ridge? What we were told is that Robert Todd had always been uh, um, wanted to be buried with his uh, family. And if you go inside uh, the tomb, and again, as you're facing the headstone, behind you is Mary Todd Lincoln, three of the four boys, and as you start to exit that area, there's a there's a marker for Robert Todd. Interestingly, they put the wrong date. Uh, I believe it's of his birth, and so they you can almost see it looks like they erased it and put and corrected the number. And it's and but it does say that he's buried in Arlington National Cemetery. But the belief is is that his wife, um, when he died, felt you know he served in the Civil War. Uh, you know she was living uh, I believe in Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken, at the time. But I may have that wrong. But she wanted him buried closer to where he is, and so uh, mm -hmm. where she was at the time. So it's believed that she made the decision to have um, Robert Todd Lincoln buried there. Just as, uh, you know, when they were putting the tomb together, you probably know this story. Uh, when they were putting the tomb together, they wanted to bury uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, beneath the Capitol in Washington, D.C. Uh, Springfield wanted to have him somewhere near a train station so tourists could come off and immediately see uh, where he's buried. And they never asked Mary Todd, and then Mary Todd got word what they were going to do and she said if you don't bury him when i say you're going to bury him then I'll, I'll put him somewhere he won't be anywhere near springfield and they sent a crew up to try to talk her out of it she wouldn't even meet with him mm -hmm. said nope he always said he wanted he liked oak ridge i want him out there in a pleasant place by the way just to show you how a little bit uh, obsessed i am with lincoln guess um my wife and i have burial plots in oak ridge cemetery really <laughs> oh. wow <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty Isn't cool that <laughs> at least she's from it's springfield honestly, so it's not quite like too too yeah. out there but 
Um, my mother lives here in North Carolina, and I told her that. She goes, you've got to be kidding. I'm like, Mom, you know, are you really going to come out? I said, are you going to be alive when I die, which is sort of a morbid thing to think about. Yeah. And I said, on the other hand, I said, you know, I don't really, you know, I want to be buried where Lincoln is. I mean, I'll, and so we actually picked a spot where if you stand at our grave site, you can see at least the top of the tower. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is uh that's impressive. Wow, that's, that's cool. a, no. You can say it. It's overboard. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's a. It's a really beautiful. I mean, cemeteries are interesting places. You know. I mean, I. I, yeah. I don't think it's morbid to think that they're. They can be beautiful, and it really is um, a scenic part of the city. And if you go, you know, if you don't go too far, as you're facing the tomb, if you go past it, there's like mm -hmm. that stream that goes through there, um, kind of sure. cuts through, and there's that big hill overlooking it. It's actually a pretty pretty scenic spot um it's crowded there's a lot of there's a lot of headstones um yeah but uh, nick and i have done some work and nick more than i have has done some work with the illinois war memorials if you kind of go right. down from the the tomb there's a world war ii memorial there's a, oh, yeah. a korean war memorial for, for illinois um, which are very sure. very nice tastefully those done. are those are very nice structures yes they are Yep, uh, so. One of the things I did several years ago is I uh, got a Segway, and I just took a Segway tour by myself of the cemetery. And, you know, they'll give you a sheet and tell you where, where people are buried, John Carroll Power, you know, Lincoln's Law Partners, all those. And it was really neat to just do that. It was a, it's a beautiful place. Yep, yeah, and it's really kind of built around the, the Lincoln tomb in a nice way. And, you know, you, mm -hmm. don't, have to, you don't have to go searching for it. Um, and uh yeah there's it's it's definitely i think it's it's a it's a neat place to kind of do a little bit of exploring um and i kind of like how it's it's not far at all from uh the museum but it's far enough where you know you're, you're definitely going to want to you know you're getting your car and drive out there but um very very beautiful place and um i'm a little envious that that uh that you got a spot there it's pretty pretty cool so um but yeah, like I, uh, I haven't been to a lot of presidential tombs, but um, I did go. Um, Benjamin uh, Harrison is in Indianapolis. That one, I think it's. Oh wow! Uh, that one's like it took me like an hour to find it, and it's not. Oh, wow. you know, there's still. I mean, it's nothing like the Lincoln tomb, but it's still right. um, pretty clear that it's a president of the United States. And um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's. I think I think the way that it ended up, uh, kind of where it, where it ended up, and how the city kind of built around it, um, you just got to go through some quiet neighborhoods to get there. I, I really um, think it's it's well done, and it really um, visiting there helps you kind of get a feel for just Springfield in general. So um, it really uh, does. And you know, one of the things that when I worked at the tomb uh, that really uh, touched me is that I saw all nationalities, races, people from all over the world. Uh, came by the tomb and uh, and there was reverence for being around Abraham Lincoln's body uh, that uh, that I really appreciated. I, I wanted to share another quick story with you. When I at one time I was um, volunteering at both the tomb and the uh, museum, and so uh, I wasn't out there when this happened. But you, I'm sure you've seen the movie Lincoln. Um, but you know, <laughs> the the person who was originally scheduled to play Lincoln was Liam Neeson. I don't know if you've heard this story. Mm -hmm. Oh, we, I knew that well, that was that that was the case. But yeah, so um, a friend of mine was working out at the tomb, and I, I walks in Liam Neeson, and the guy the guy didn't know his name right off the bat, but he had his sunglasses on, and he goes, "Aren't you?" He goes, "Yeah." He said, "What are you doing here?" He says, "Well, I'm supposed to play uh, 
Lincoln, and I wanted to learn a little bit about his, uh, you know, history. So Liam Neeson actually came out to the tomb and walked around. So I volunteered that day. I had this great story, and I run out the next day, and I'm volunteering at the museum. I said, hey, guess who was out at the tomb? They said, Liam Neeson. He had also come out to the museum <laughs> by himself, no bodyguards, and just, again, was doing his research. And then um, I heard later that uh, by the time the movie got done that uh, he said he felt, uh, or maybe Spielberg felt, that he was too old to play Lincoln. And I, I sort of find that hard to believe because, uh, you know, they can do so many wonderful things with makeup. Uh, but, uh, again, I, I, it was a really interesting story. I'm like picturing this like funny crossover with the story you just told and taken with Liam Neeson where he's like, <laughs> I have a specific set of skills and you know, about him tracking them down. Maybe that can be an alternative history we can put together. If we work in the vampire hunter in there somehow too. Story. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So, uh, I don't, Mary Nick. I kind of dominated the questions there. I don't know if you had any questions about the story that you wanted to uh, to throw out there. Um, you asked the one I wanted to ask about, um, like when the coffin was opened and the boy that saw him and all that. So that was perfect. I loved hearing about that. Yeah, uh, I do want to say, and, and I, I don't have any stock in any of these, but if people want to read more about these stories. Um, there's a, a DVD called Stealing Lincoln's Body that was put out by the History Channel, and it's pretty accurate. Uh, one only error they make in the DVD is they say when they buried Lincoln's body in the, inside the tomb after the uh, attempted theft, they say they buried him in the basement. There is no basement in the tomb, you know. So that they just got that wrong, and they they do a reenactment. You can tell it's not really the tomb there, but that's a pretty good DVD. Uh, there's also a, a three books that I'd recommend. The most recent one is Stealing Lincoln's Body by Thomas J. Crawwell. And uh, it, it, an excellent book. Uh, then the original book, the first one was called The Great Abraham Lincoln Hijack uh, by Bonnie Stallman Spear. And then, believe it or not, there's a children's book <laughs> called Lincoln's Grave Robbers. And I don't know if I'm saying the last name correct, by Steve Scheinkin. And uh, I've read all three. Uh, and I can assure you that each of the books has some information that the other ones don't. So there's something you can add to the story by reading all three of those. But uh, if you don't want to read the books, the DVD does a pretty good job with that. All right, I'm on the DVD. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to start with, I'm going to go DVD, children's book, and then hopefully I'll be smart enough to get the other two done then. Again, I, I, the way I found out about the children's book, I have a, a nephew and who was doing a presentation about Lincoln, and he wanted to do something about the grave robbers, so we were talking about it. And he said, yeah, I read a book called Lincoln's Grave Robbers. And I'm like, no, that's not the name. It's Stealing Lincoln's Body. And no, no, it's Lincoln's Grave Robbers. So finally, after talking with him about it, I'll, I'll look it up, and lo and behold, there was a children's book that I didn't know about. And uh, he was right. And again, it, it had some information that the other two books didn't have. So, I mean, uh, they're all uh, a good resource. Oh, by the way, John Carroll Power wrote a book years ago, and here's the guy who was there that night, wrote a book uh, about the attempted theft. It's, it's, got, it's also is talking about an association he started uh, in, in reverence to Abraham Lincoln. But uh, And to be quite honest, I mean, it's a very detailed book. It's not quite as exciting and written in a story form like these are. But, uh, again, there's plenty of reading material out there if people are interested. So th does the bar still exist to this day? Can we go up there and plot, plot something? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it would be, but I'm not really sure. So I'm not going to say for certain. 
Yeah, that's a little uh, a little research project I was kind of quickly trying to look up on my iPad here, and then I kind of want to do after we're done recording is to maybe at least try to track down an address just to kind of see like what neighborhood of Chicago it, it was, and um, you know possibly there's a bunch of bars on Hubbard Street, so it may may have been on Hubbard Street, and they called the hub. I don't know. Uh, it was probably Might more. Be. Yeah, I would guess it'd probably more likely be by a railroad, but who knows. Yeah. Um, uh, so. I do want to say one other thing is that uh, I acquired last year, and this is really one of my prized possessions. Uh, I uh, got a book that's titled The Life, Public Services, and uh, State Papers of Abraham Lincoln. And uh, this book was written, believe mm-hmm. it or not, published in 1865, in the year mm-hmm. Lincoln uh, uh, you know, died. So uh, uh, the book's not in great shape. It was written by Henry J. Raymond. But uh, I've got it in my hand right now, and it's sort of wild to think that I'm holding a book that was you know, printed in the same year of the last year of Abraham Lincoln's life. I mean, it's sort of wild to think that you can have something that's that old. It's not in bad shape, but it's not in good shape either. Yeah, but for being well over 200 years, or not quite, I guess not quite 200 years old, but getting there, um, yeah. it looks pretty good. Um, yeah, that's awesome. One uh, one real quick thing I just want to mention uh, before we get over to our this week in Lincoln. Um, these issues still still arise. Just in 2011, uh, I remember this because this was when I was going down to Springfield uh, after I started going down three or four times a year. Uh, on the tomb, it's very very cool if you haven't been there. On each of the four corners of the tomb, there is there are statues to the armed services. So there's an infantry, mm-hmm. an artillery a Navy, and a Cavalry. Um, I believe those are the four. Uh, well, in 2011, someone stole the sword. Um, or this, one morning, I guess, when the tomb volunteers and workers came into work, the sword, the sword from the Cavalry officer was gone. Uh, and someone had right. stolen it. Uh, so they did They did recover it. Um, and it was, a, it was a minor, so they never released this person's name or age. But it was definitely somebody under the age of 18 had climbed up there and i think the kid might have been hanging on it and it snapped off and then he left so um i think they fixed it since then but for at least a few two times when i went down there there's like one of the the figures of the the statues is was holding just a hilt with no no blade yeah several years ago i don't remember when it was but uh, i went to volunteer and uh, someone said, did you see what happened last night? And I said, no. And I went, someone had taken some kind of paint and just sprayed the side of the Lincoln tomb from front all the way to the back on, if you're facing the tomb on the left side. And just, no, just they didn't write any words, just lines, zigzag lines off from the front and back. And, you know, you're thinking, why? You know, and it, it wasn't easy to get off, but they finally got it off. And uh, you know, they have enough trouble, you know, with funding trying to keep the tomb up. They've done some recent restructuring out there, thank God. But, uh, you know, they still don't allow people to go up on the upper level anymore uh, because uh, the inside has leaked and they believe people walking up there causes that. So, uh, um, again, uh, it, I think it would be neat if they can figure out a way to fix that because going up, upstairs and seeing the, the, the statues you're talking about up close is a really neat thing. When did they close that off, do you know? I'm going to say it's probably been about um, 15 years ago. Uh, and that's that's a estimated that's an estimate, but I think it's probably about. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's 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 been closed um, since I was since I was going down there to visit my wife's family, which you know started in about that 15 years ago. So yeah, um, it's yeah. it's always been closed off since then, at least. Um, right. So yeah. 
Um, well, we really appreciate, Dr. Burke, uh, your storytelling and your knowledge about uh, this very um, interesting little episode in the life of Lincoln. Actually, not really in the life of Lincoln, and in the, in the <laughs> afterlife of Lincoln. Uh, so thank you for that. And uh, as we've kind of filled you in, we do a weekly feature on the show called uh, This Week in Lincoln, where we bring up an example of where Lincoln has shown up in pop culture or somewhere outside of the normal historic context, and we invite our guests to talk about their favorites. So what did you, what do you have for us for our This Week in Lincoln? Well, uh, I have this T-shirt of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, in his left arm, he's holding a, uh, an old uh, jam box that uh, we used to probably carry around, play cassettes in. And it says, drop beats, not bombs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is a great T-shirt. My mother-in-law actually bought me that exact shirt. So uh, that's, that's definitely a staple in my closet for sure that I wear a lot of the time in the summer. So uh, we'll definitely yeah. tweet out a picture of that. Dr. Burke, great choice. Drop beats, not bombs. Uh, words to live by for sure in this day and age. So um, so thank you once well, I gotta, again. I've got to tell you one last thing. Oh, sure. Great. you got to tell you. I've got a, I'm, I've just, I wish I already had it, but I don't. I just ordered today a sport coat that I've designed, and I've got another person who's putting it together that's going to have uh, the most iconic picture of Abraham Lincoln on the back of a sport coat. Mm-hmm. On my left pocket, it's going to have the, the, the top hat, and it's going to have his signature, like he used to sign, A. Lincoln here. Then on the front left side of the, of the uh, sport coat, it's going to have a younger picture of Abraham Lincoln, and then on my right sleeve, it's going to say, with malice toward none. So <laughs> if, find me on Facebook, because as soon as I get that thing, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, posting that all over. And I can't wait to take photos with that at all the Lincoln sites in Springfield. That, that is impressive. That, That's awesome. You have, you have taken that, you have taken your Lincoln love to a, to a new level. And I am, you are, you are in a community right now that will definitely embrace that. That is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> That's yeah, epic. Get around a bunch of other people obsessed. <laughs> yeah. So if yeah, you'll uh, yeah we, I definitely we will, we will take your pictures and put them on our social media. And definitely give you credit because that's uh, that is that is most impressive. Hey, hey, Jeremy and Mary, we should meet at the hub, and we should come up with a plan to snatch <laughs> yes. that jacket. I think we should. But one and of us, you, I am known as the boss jacket snatcher. So. <laughs> But one and of us will secretly be an informant the whole time. And, and you guys will have a Canadian back. with you, and yeah, nobody really suspects the Canadian. You guys, but... <laughs> wow. Oh, so, man, what a devious plot we're going to put together at the Hub. So um, At 3 a.m. when we're sauce. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, we'll take a nine-hour train ride and, and, and do it. So, um, man, what a fun ride today it was. We really appreciate mm-hmm. Dr. Burke, you taking the time to share that story with us. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Real Splitter Pod. So if you are listening and have a question, you know, definitely we can kind of um, we can forward that. Uh, Dr. Burke, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at uh, Kevin L. Burke. Uh, but I also, ha- also run the Facebook page, Abraham Lincoln Tune. So uh, if you're going to go to that Facebook page, I post things there from time to time. Uh, and this is something I've never said publicly. I'm going to uh, expose this on your podcast. I have a Twitter account, John Wilkes Booth. What? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I use it for historical reasons. And uh, but you need to go on there and look at some of the posts. I really post as if John Wilkes Booth is, is still a, uh, at least uh, in spirit 
talking to us today in a lot of the posts. So uh, I try to have some fun with it. And uh, I will say after certain presidential elections, people were trying to enlist his services again. And I was a little bit worried about that. <laughs> but uh, most of it's just fun stuff. So take a look at that on Twitter at John Wilkes Booth. I, I got in a feud with Miller Fillmore this way, so on Twitter. So. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, and we also, yeah, we we have a we we did a three part uh, series on the assassination uh, earlier this year um, as well. So um, that's definitely okay. interesting stuff. So you can follow uh, at Kevin L Burke or the fake one at John Wilkes Booth <laughs> um, on Twitter, and then you can also follow us at Real Splitter Pod. And we can kind of if you have any questions about this this episode. Uh, we can keep that going. We also have our Facebook group, uh, with, which you can just find by searching for the Rail Splitter Podcast. Um, so, Mary, Nick, did you have any parting thoughts uh, for hosting the show this week? Well, Dr. Burke, thank you so much for coming on and giving that talk. That was fascinating and interesting, and we appreciate um, we just appreciate it. So, thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. This was a blast. Yeah, I second that. I mean, you're outstanding. So, great storytelling. Thank you for your comments. I appreciate it. Yep. And uh, I would again like to thank you, Dr. Burke, and hopefully our paths cross uh, in the future through the Lincoln community, and we can uh, definitely chat Lincoln again. Uh, So, yep. Thank you once again. And for Mary Mary and Nick, I am Jeremy uh, signing off for this week. So please uh, tune in next week. And until then, keep walking the world with malice toward none and charity for all. And we'll see you next week.